everybody listen to We Are Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for today or tomorrow or Thursday or Friday. Um, jo- joining me today, um, we've decided to kind of like, if we went to McDonald's, we would have ordered fries, we would have ordered a drink, we would have ordered a Big Mac, and then we would have asked to kind of supersize me so I get like a little extra, you know, like a sauce or maybe an extra portion of fries or something like that. Because Joining me um, from, well, I guess, Tomb Guardians, I've got like a collection of people. It's almost like the the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you could kind of say. Because I've got um, I've got Cash Suinski. So say hi, Cash. Hello, guys. I've got Bobby Jackson. Hello. I've got Patrick Keith. Hi there. And last but not least. I've got Jason Weeby. But um, you guys are all along because you're involved in um, a Kickstarter that's going on at the moment for uh, for Tomb Guardians, which is the Velrath's Vampires kind of Kickstarter. Um, and you're kind of involved in various kind of um, various kind of stages. So, um, I mean, if we start off with your th- yourself, kind of cast, do you want to do you want to tell us kind of, um, I guess a little bit about the kind of maybe the current campaign and then, you know, the reason for the kind of the current campaign as well? Absolutely. Again, thank you for having us. Uh, Valorant Vampires is a collection of undead miniatures uh, created, undead miniatures and accessories created by our outstanding sculptors, uh, Bobby Jason and Patrick. Flower uh, Vampires includes 10 vampires, uh, a Queen Valrith, a mage, cleric, an anti paladin, two grave spirits, and four male slaves. Uh, uh-huh. The backstory, somewhere in the backstory to Flower Vampires, essentially, uh, Queen Valrith was during her time being married to him during her time being married to him uh, she decided to essentially start studying the black arts which was prohibited by uh, the temple order and she was essentially caught and then burned at the stake and when she was burned at the stake uh, she was saved uh, she was saved and transmuted into a vampire and that's how she became uh, the queen of the vampires. So the three main characters are female, three three female faction ca- uh, characters. Of course, the queen mm-hmm. and the cleric. Everybody else are 
male slaves to her. Uh, and Jason created those characters for us. Uh, Bobby uh, did all our uh, monsters in this campaign, uh, which includes uh, zombies, lich lords, and skeleton, or lich queen, and skeletons uh, for the stretch goals. And then Patrick did all our accessories because I just didn't want to have uh, uh, miniatures in our Kickstarter. I felt that when you go through a dungeon, not only, yes, miniatures are cool, but not only with the miniatures, I wanted to give people the option to get some accessories. So the accessories that we added to this particular Kickstarter is a mausoleum, which Patrick mm-hmm. did, uh, a set of three different coffins, a uh, set of six tombstones, and then um, uh, a sarcophagus is uh, the accessories that are included in this particular uh, Kickstarter. Uh, This Kickstarter is actually, uh, the miniatures of this Kickstarter actually correspond to a larger larger project that is on the horizon that we're releasing in the fall, which is Mm -hmm. actually game that we are releasing, which is a dungeon crawl uh, RPG role-playing adventure that will be available here in the fall. So all of the miniatures that we're releasing, such as we did uh, dwarves and monsters uh, back in December, mm-hmm. of course, Bowers uh, Vampires currently, we have two or three other Kickstarters planned here the rest of this uh, uh, spring and summer. We're going to release actually all tie into the game we're releasing in in the fall. So yes, these figures are really really cool to own for role playing. Um, mm-hmm. Also multi purpose, so you can use them in our game plus use them for Pathfinder or D and D or any other board game. Was that the um, was that the idea from the beginning? Then cast was to kind of because I see. Um, I mean, me being involved in kind of the level of Kickstarter that I am, and I see a lot of campaigns kind of come and go. Generally, when you see a campaign that's got a lot of minis in it, um, they usually kind of bring it out in a big, huge kind of chunk. So if you're looking at, say, your Rising Suns of this world or, um, you know, anything that Simon seems to do, um, anything along those lines, you seem to get like a box that's got kind of like 150 miniatures in it and, you know, enough plastic to effectively kill a small kind of elephant. Um, was this, was your, is this what your strategy has been to be kind of like different so that people don't necessarily need to buy in to everything that's involved in the project if you just see the likes of the sculpts that you know, Bobby's done, that they can just jump in and pick up a few minis for their own kind of D&D campaign. Was that the, that exactly, the kind of the strategy? That is exactly the strategy. So when I originally decided to start this project, actually last June is when I first contacted Jason and Bobby. Uh, we started talking about a project, their availability to do this project, and like I said, the first set was dwarves and dwarves and monsters. Uh, I knew that in the future we were going to release a game. I wanted to release it last year, uh, but 
it wasn't it just wasn't possible the, the dynamics mm-hmm. and the fact that writing rules and was a lot more complicated than I ever realized so that was uh, that's still in process and we are actually going to demo the game at a convention here in Columbus uh, All right. Origins here in the summer oh um, yeah yeah I've heard of Origins yeah yeah so that weekend in June, or that week in June, we're demoing our game at a tight week. So, to answer your question, uh, there are eight different factions in our world uh, that yeah. we created for the game. Uh, Lord, oh, okay. okay. Those factions are, are uh, I'll go over Dwarves, Templars, and Elves, Barbarians, Amazons, Vampires, orcs, and dark elves. Those are the eight factions that tie into the game. Uh, not in the, in the game that you play, you don't have to have all eight factions when they're available. You don't have to have all. all you, you need to have is essentially one of the factions to play the adventure. And that could be wars, it could be vampires, it could be Amazons, whatever your favorite. It doesn't yeah. have to be uh, one of them. It doesn't have to be all of them. Of course, if you want them all, they'll go out there. The monsters, yeah. on the other hand, all the monsters we're releasing are tied into the game, and at some point in the in the different levels of the dungeon, um, the monsters will be there. So the first adventure module that we are releasing is a uh, forgotten uh, dwarven mine, which. Uh, those monsters will be in that dungeon. There's ten different levels to the dungeon. As you can, okay. the party will be able to, as they achieve their objectives, we will be able to use different stats and weapons and so forth. As they okay. Go. Right, so don't want to leave, obviously, the other guys hanging because they're, they're sitting there going, when do we get a chance to talk? When do we get a chance to talk? So, um... I mean, someone like I mean, so if it turns someone like Jason, I mean, have you? How long have you been kind of like involved in the kind of the miniature game yourself? I mean, has it been something you just picked up last week, or have you been working on this for like the last, you know, fifteen, ten, fifteen years? Uh, I'd say fifteen or twenty years. Uh, yeah. Because I had a game store when I was when I started sculpt. Oh, uh-huh. okay. And, uh, okay. It it. Moved from a very part-time to full-time, probably twelve or fifteen years ago. Okay. When I mean, when you were sculpting twelve or fifteen years ago, what kind of tools were you using at the time? I mean, obviously nowadays when I see Kickstarter campaigns, they're kind of they're bringing up kind of three D models. I mean, were you using were you, were you using different kind of material? Back no, then, pretty much like, you know? dental tools and and various kinds of probes, uh, uh-huh. toothpicks, uh, anything that worked. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, we all still. I'm sure all of us here still have our our little tool pouch if we want to do some uh, traditional sculpting because that that took a long time to learn. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, it was it was all by hand. I'd started uh, carving waxes for jewelry a long time ago in college. And uh, I think the skills kind of translated over. Did you, I mean, do you do you design the things yourself, or does does it depend? Does somebody come with come to you with a brief and say, right, okay, could you make 
X, Y, and Z? Do you get like a little bit of creative freedom, or does sure, that Sure, absolutely. That uh, with Cass's stuff, I've done most of the design work as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, bounced some ideas off and went back and forth a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, other times, other places, other companies, you get uh, concept art and you adhere to it either as much as the art director wants or you use it as just a jumping off point. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even done some work where you get uh, what's called control art that you have to pretty much match exactly. But right now I'd say yeah, it's probably 70% my designs that I'm working on. Uh, 30% are done by various different concept artists. Yeah, yeah. Do you, I mean, what do you, pref- I mean, have you got um, kind of particular models that you've worked on that are like, this is this is the best work I've ever done? Or is, well, it, is everything that you've ever done amazing? A lot of times it's the one that you're working on, yeah. And nothing I've ever done is uh, it's that. But, um, a lot of times it's the one that I'm working equally. on. Yeah. So I, and not just because we're in uh, in this project with Cass, but I, I'm really pretty proud of the dwarves I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the vampires a lot. Uh, I've done an awful lot of work for Reaper that I that I really like. So it, I, you know, I, I think my most current stuff I like, I like the best. But every once in a while, I look at my miniature cabinet and look back over the years, and there's some pretty good stuff in there. Most of it's Bobby or Pat. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it is it cool to know that there's um there's kind of people playing there's going to be people kind of like playing with your miniatures and painting them up and putting a lot of time and effort to make them kind of look as as kind of good as possible. Well, I'd say uh, recently, in the last 10 years or so, it's really been driven by the quality of the paint jobs that we've been seeing. Yeah. Uh, I know we we all, not just because our eyes are getting older, but we all had to upgrade our magnification and stuff when we were doing this uh, sculpting traditionally because the painters were asking for more and more detail, more and more sharp edges. Yeah. Uh, better and better sculpts and so i think i think it bounces back and forth and uh the the quality of paint jobs has skyrocketed so i think by and large the quality of uh sculpted miniatures has gone up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what about yourself what about yourself bobby i mean um are you in the same kind of boat as jason i mean did you i mean are you guys kind of is there kind of like a, a mini sculpts club that you all kind of hang around with you know a bar Somewhere that everybody, everybody kind of turns up and then it's always a smart. <laughs> yeah, I would speak in This is a pretty yeah, damn big country, you know. Yeah, but we've all known I, each other forever. Yeah. Jason and I met back in the old um, chain mail days, I think, when yeah. we were working for uh, Wizards of the Coast doing chain mail days. Yeah, right. Yep. Okay. I mean, whenever oh. that was, that was a long time ago. And, I mean, do you, I mean, with you being involved in the design side yourself, do you, do you, do you get kind of like, is that, is that kind of a sense of fun? Do you ever kind of like play around with different kind of sculpts, kind of make changes? I mean, have you ever kind of like decided to go against convention? I mean, is it within a model maker's kind of design rights to kind of make changes to what people kind of normally would expect from kind of characters. I mean, everybody, 
I mean, what I'm saying is you would expect like a vampire character to maybe look a certain way or a dwarf character to maybe look a certain way. Do you, do you find you have to stick with tropes or are you able to kind of sometimes push the boat out a little bit and do something different? That, that depends on the client. You, you, mm-hmm. have to, um, you have to meet the client's expectations. And if, if they've got a broad envelope, then you can push it and do mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. unusual. But usually... You know, people want their trolls to look like a troll, you know, so when the, the, the customer sees it hanging in the blister pack or online, they recognize, well, that's a troll life, and I'm going to part with my money. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What about... Um, I agree to that is, uh, you know, with with our sculptor, Bobby and Jason and Patrick, uh-huh. I pretty much give them, in our, in our campaign, the question you just asked, I tried to, for the vampires, do something a little bit different. Instead of having a male head uh, that oversaw the vampires, I decided to change that up and do something uncondition- uh, unconventional and say, hey, we're going to do, we're going to have this, this faction led by a female. Uh, similar to our next campaign that's coming here in May or June, which Patrick is working on, which is the female uh, female Amazon faction. Those are all female factions led by females. So for myself, for, for our campaign here, for our game that we're releasing in the future, I tried to stretch people's imagination a little bit uh, out and say, uh-huh. let's do something a little bit unconditional or unconventional, sorry, unconventional uh-huh. as to what people normally expect. Um. I mean, there's, there's, talk, I mean, and I, you know, anyone can jump in with their, their opinion on this, but um, there's obviously um, noise about kind of the way that kind of female kind of models will be presented and kind of sexualized and stuff like that. And um, do you guys kind of find yourselves having to be more conscious of that if as the kind of the hobby becomes? more kind of widespread and more open to kind of more people kind of playing the roles. Do you, do you find, are you, do you, are you kind of be traditional or, do you, you know, are you trying to say, well, actually, we, this is something that we need to be conscious of, that we, you know, we can't just have a barbarian queen going about with her, you know, with her boobs out <laughs> kind of thing. Well, yeah, I'm, I'll have to, I'll have to jump in on that right away. <laughs> okay. That's that's basically what kind of got me uh, to you know to launch our own line of of babes you know figures back in 2012 because I was sculpting a lot of female figures for a lot of different companies and stuff like that and I would see get feedback you know from painters and from gamers and all this it's like well we want some really practically attired female characters you know to use in our our games or to paint or or whatever and so yeah. um, I. You know, I was sculpting, you know, all of these other, you know, figures for other companies. I thought, well, I'll put out my own little boutique line, you know, and, and specialize in just doing that. So, um, uh, but, but yeah, there has been a really big shift in the audience, uh, because like, like back in the day, you know, Jason and Bobby were talking about playing D and D, you know, you know, way back, uh, when it first came out, you know, the seventies and eighties and stuff. And it's like, it was really hard to find anybody to game with. You know, and uh, and now what's really cool is that that the further that we go along, it seems like the audience is really 
you know, it, it's not quite 50-50 yet, but, like, I see a lot more women gamers that are interested in playing tabletop games and, and painting and, and board games yeah. and all this. It's, it's really, it seems like it's it's expanded quite a bit. Yeah, yeah I mean, you have, you have to look at, like, the likes of Critical Role at the moment, which I've got there kind of kickstarter at the moment and um it's like i think they've done about seven and a half million dollars on their animated series that they're mm-hmm. doing and I, I don't know if that if that would have been possible maybe even five ten years ago that anybody would have kind of let that swing but now it seems to be a major major thing that attracts a kind of a lot of of kind of like um kind of mainstream kind of attention um in in terms of, I was going to say, in terms of you kind of guys kind of reaching an audience and attracting an audience with such kind of competition out there, has that been a difficult thing to do? Has that been, I mean, has, have you found that the market's become more competitive over the last couple of years as well, especially with the likes of kind of Kickstarter? Yeah, Kickstarter has, uh, it's pretty much democratized uh, the whole industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of like what, what happens with music, where it's so much easier now to get to get a small band in front of a lot of eyes. Um, it's much easier, the, the market is much easier access. So what I'm finding is there's way more companies. There's They're not as big as some of the old companies used to be, uh, mm-hmm. But that also leads to a greater variety. When you're talking about uh, being aware of the changing uh, composition of gamers, that's perfect. That fits perfectly within the Kickstarter thing. It fits perfectly within the times. And mm-hmm. it keeps, at least for me, it really keeps me on my toes because you do have to pay attention to stuff like that. Um, it's very, very important to as many people in the markets as possible. But at the same time, uh, there's a lot of factions within that market that you have to keep satisfied. There's yeah. a lot of old school gamers, for instance, that want their miniatures to look a certain way. And then you try to balance <laughs> that with some of the new looks. And you still have to satisfy your art directors. And you still have to make a dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you kind of got to keep the kind of the, the kind of the balance there as well. Um, I mean, and, but as I was saying, um, but I mean, Cass, have you found you kind of bring in um, Velrath to the kind of the Kickstarter market? Is that has that been a lot of work to try create some noise and create some interest and things like that in the campaign? Well, the the, big, the biggest issue uh, we have as a company, Jason actually hit it right on the head when he said that there's a lot of companies out there. A lot of smaller companies, and I'm a smaller company. Uh, uh-huh. So it's the biggest issue we have is we have three of the probably the best sculptors in the country that work for us. It's getting uh-huh. there. Would get- you hire some more guys? <laughs> <laughs> people love the figures once they see it, but hey, there's millions of people out there that don't know us, and that's yeah. the issue we have. Is getting getting us out there, and, and that the other uh, thing I want to bring up is that's one of the reasons and Patrick brought this up. There's more female gamers out there that play D and D games, 
And that's why in the dwarves, if we release some female dwarves in, in, the, in the dwarf release, we have females in the in Valis Vampires. Of course, the top three of Vampires are females. The next one we, we plan to release in May, June is an entire faction of female or female Amazons. They won't even be in yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a, I mean, obviously the skills are there because I've been, you know, I've looked through the campaign and the quality of the miniatures is exceptional. It's wonderful. But then, as I say, I see kind of like, um, do you feel that, do you feel that Kickstarter seems to be kind of like unfairly skewed towards the bigger guys that they have an automatic kind of foot up? That it's yeah. more difficult for guys like you to kind of get noticed. Well, I mean, the, the bigger guys, Reaper, Whiskey, I mean, they're, 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 they're who they are. They, yeah, great products. I mean, our products, we don't offer resin or plastic miniatures. All our, all our miniatures are made out of uh, metal and we offer a five year guarantee on all our miniatures. So if somebody breaks it, uh, all they have to do is mail it back to me and I'll replace it for free. Uh, and that's due to the quality of the sculpts that we do and our sculptors produce for us. Uh, so the big boys, I mean, I'm not in competition with them because I can't be because I'm just not big enough. And yes, yeah. when they release, like when Reaper releases one of their, their, uh, bones factions or whatever release they do, I mean, they have thousands and thousands of patrons that know about. That's that's my disadvantage. I don't have that. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. I remember when I had my store and Reaper was the new kid on the block. Um, it was a lot for them to break into that market. Probably the same thing that makes there be so many miniature companies right now uh, is exactly why you couldn't break in, in in the older days. And I'm talking like only 15 years ago. Uh, you can still use the internet to get your product in front of so many more people. They have more choices. But I'll tell you, looking at line drawings in the old Armory catalog used to be the only way you could see miniatures before you bought yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think there's... Do you think the likes of kind of like... Um, I mean, do you look at the stuff like coming from like Games Workshop and things like that? Um, are, you, are you guys aware of kind of the work that they're they're doing sure. because yeah you know they, oh, yeah. i mean they seem to have, they went through a lull for a while but recently they seem to have um trapped lightning in a bottle with the stuff that they're releasing and i don't know if it's just i i think they have creative people back in charge of the company to be honest with you yeah right that's what it seems like yeah uh they, they've been more uh visible in the community by starting yep. up the warhammer tv they yeah. returned to doing um, trade shows, you know, like Adepticon and this kind of thing, and and promoting events more. So, yeah, it seems to be they're they're more community conscious now than they used to be, and and also just just the quality of the sculpts. I really think that it took a turn whenever they kind of went all digital on their sculpts. It really kind of opened up a, a wide a wider uh, opportunity for them to do more dynamic stuff for plastic production. Because yeah. they could test stuff before actually going to mold with it. So I, I think that's really helped out a lot, too. But make no mistake, they look at these little Kickstarters as well. I mean, you can, oh, you yeah. can, tra- you can trace 
a lot of the stuff that they're doing, you can you can think back to some of the stuff you've seen at Kickstarter that you wouldn't have thought would have sold. Uh, and I see shadows of it, echoes of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, what I think I is think... kind of cyclical about it... Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, go on, you go. You're the guest. Oh, oh. <laughs> I need to show up. <laughs> what, what, what I think is kind of cyclical about it is like what, what Jason was talking about was it's it's funny because I look at like, a, uh, for example, Privateer Press will put out certain things for War Machine, and then, mm-hmm. you know, several months later you'll see kind of this steampunk influence in some of the newer stuff that Games Workshop is putting out. So it's kind of this reciprocating sort of a thing where it's like, okay, well, um, Pulp Sci-Fi's, you know, it, it kind of became more popular. And so now, uh, you know, you see a lot of the, I guess, 30K stuff where it's got this really kind of Pulp Sci-Fi kind of feel to it. So it's, they seem to be kind of trying to hit everything, you know, all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Do you, I mean, um, do you also kind of see, do you sometimes wish that some campaigns just didn't bother with with kind of putting miniatures in there at all and just left it to kind of doing standees with some of the quality of the miniatures that's kind of coming out? Because I know that, I know there's been a couple of cases quite recently that um, the 3D sculpts of the minis, um, that were released on certain projects have had a lot of really, really negative feedback because the actual final produced versions based, they've been, you know, here's the pictures of the final produced models have kind of like, I guess, not been as high a quality as the kind of the 3D sculpts that were kind of, kind of promised. Um, yeah, just, well, as the, as the technologies converge, we've got a lot of guys who were, are great artists and are trained to do 3D stuff, but didn't come from the miniature side. So they're, mm-hmm. they're coming from the other direction that the three of us are. We were miniature sculptors first and then started to do the digital cuisine. And some of these artists are coming from the digital art world into the miniature world, and it's a, it's a struggle. It doesn't always work in a mold. I mean, it, you know, the mold process takes takes off a lot of the detail uh so it you have to keep jumping back and forth to the finished product to what looks what it looks like on your screen which yeah. is why i think the best thing to do is show as many of the cast up sculpts in your kickstarter as you can that's right i i agree with that that's that's a far better right. practice as far as i'm that's concerned one of, that's one of the things that i think jason and bobby and i spoke about way going way back next last year when I started this project uh, we had talked about that hey I'm not just going to show a 3D render to a person on Kickstarter and one of the biggest flaws on Kickstarter is people that got ripped off by pledging in some of these campaigns and never got the final product so yeah. we, we had spoke about hey let's Get this project all the way up to the point where it's molded and the masters are paid, and then we can have some of the masters painted and we can show it to the people what the figures are. And we've done that day one. Yes, it's a lot more expensive doing that because you have to do the production side expense to do that. And yeah. another big flaw is there's a lot of people that offer what 
PD or printable monsters and printable dungeon stuff out there, which is fine. I mean, those people that want to print their own monsters and produce their own monsters, it's fine. I mean, they're not going to be customers of mine or, or Reaper if they want to print their own stuff. I mean, if that's the route they've decided to go. Yeah. That's not going to be a customer. They're not going to buy our, our, our products. The problem with that is, is you, to print some of these files that people produce, like, like my stuff, if I sold it, or if I wanted to offer it, or offer any of these products, you have to have a really, really good printer, generally an SLA printer, to print the true details of these, these minis. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that, um, people need to kind of be educated more about the, you know, the miniature process? Do you think that with, you know, with, with so many Kickstarters kind of throwing minis at part of a project, I, do you think there needs to be more education to say to people, look, this is actually how your minis are getting made, whether it be metal minis or resin minis or plastic minis, this is, because it, it would help, you know, kind of people kind of understand what are, what are the potential differences are going to be, what the potential quality of differences could be, because I think, from all I see is I see, well, here's 50 minis you're going to get, and um, that's it. You know, people would expect the highest kind of quality kind of going. Um, do you think that it would be better if maybe these guys would say, right, okay, well, here's a five-minute video of actually how how the thing gets made, so you're aware of the, you know, the large amount of time that it takes to actually get something from conceptual drawing to actually sitting on the table. Well, that'd be that'd be nice, but I, you know, uh, for a lot of people, it's a hobby, and they're not they're not really they don't really want to dig that far into it. You know, uh, I think there are companies that have plenty of resources on how miniatures are made. You can read up on it anywhere. Uh, I just I think the whole thing with with Kickstarter is, like I said before, the presentation up front needs to include physical miniatures, mm-hmm. pictures of physical miniatures. Yeah. Uh, to look at. I mean, there's an awful lot of stuff I see go by that I just, I look at the digital file and think that's never going to come out. That's never going to come out or be printed that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's another, that's a whole other issue too is, is the kind of the unspoken part of the process that we don't talk a lot about is how good some of the mold makers have gotten. I mean, the printers are good, but yeah. some of these mold maker guys are fantastic. So that's another art in itself. And, and it's like Jason was saying earlier, the Kickstarter has caused this democratization that just allows anybody to jump in and try whatever they're, they got on their mind. So yeah, some yeah. work, some don't. But um, the, where it struck us, I think, is we're pretty niche guys. I mean, sculpting miniature figures is a niche, niche esoteric, weird thing. And well, you got to have something really wrong with you to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I, I'm not, I'm not here to judge, um, but I am saying that you I would not, I would not uh, tell somebody that I had the skill set required to build video game assets, even though yeah. I'm using the same tools that people who build video game assets use. So, just because somebody has the, the skill set to build video game assets doesn't mean that they're going to be able to sculpt miniatures. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah. As I say, I think it's it's such a strange it's such a strange place because I it's really funny because I still see campaigns on Kickstarter just now, and I actually you can go into the comments on them, and they're using like standees or they're using counters for the characters, and the comments are saying, "Where's the minis? Why aren't you guys doing miniatures?" And I think yeah. they don't realise the cost of kind of like tooling. They don't realise the cost of the moulding. They don't realise the cost of, you know, pr- you know, getting so many number of miniatures kind of produced. Which is why sometimes these bigger guys kind of, they've got the ability to kind of to kind of do it. I get you know, and and, and kind of get it kind of out there. Um, in terms of inter- board game stuff, you know, yeah. where they're doing the PVC thing, the the. Um, that's a that's a big that's huge, lots of resources, lots of resources. The um, yeah. doing stuff like we're doing here with with Cass's campaign is yeah. it's resource intensive. I mean, just look at the paint jobs for Pete's yes. sake. Yes, yeah. but it's they're different resources, and you're not having to send anything to China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're not making steel molds. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's yeah. It's a, it's a different process. I mean, let's get down. I mean, people have probably been listening along and they've been saying, okay, this, it's nice to find out about minis, but do you want to tell us about the actual campaign? <laughs> the actual campaign? <laughs> um, so Cass, do you want to talk, you know, do you want to kind of educate us a bit more about the price of entry? How much do we have to spend? You know, what are the pledge levels? Things like that. Well, you know, how do we, how do we get involved, Cass? Uh, well, I tried to make it really simple, this Kickstarter campaign, the last one. Uh, there are only three levels uh, for pledging in our campaign. The first mm-hmm. level is an a la carte level, which is a $7 level. All the minis cost $7. You can buy one or you can buy 100 uh, and they each cost $7. Uh, okay. That's the a la carte level. The... That the second uh, level is the Valus Vampires, which is the full set of vampires, uh, all ten uh, vampires, uh, which is seventy dollars. Um, this is U.S. dollars, uh, and you get all ten uh, vampires. On top of that, that level also includes all stretch goals that we hit through the campaign. And right now, we mm-hmm. have additional. 11 stretch goals playing for a campaign. So if we hit them all, uh, and of course well, I hope we hit more, but if we hit all the levels, a person for a $70 pledge would get 21 metal uh, miniatures. Uh, 28 miniatures. And then... That's, that's uh, and that really works, impressive. That works out to roughly about $3.33 a figure. Uh and then the last level is uh, the all-in level, which somebody would get our entire collection of uh, miniatures, which is what's currently out there currently, plus which is forty-one miniatures, uh, which is thirty-one miniatures currently, plus Valor Vampires, which is another ten, which would be forty-one miniatures, and then all stretchables. And what I we just released a couple days ago. If somebody pledges the all-in level, they'll get mm-hmm. nine stretch goals. So they'll get two stretch goals, or two miniatures for every stretch goal we get. That's pretty cool. 
And I mean, that it, guy it, can it, get in there. <laughs> I mean, at the moment, at present, at the time of this recording, you've got 27 days to go, so you've got about four weeks left. Um, your pledge level is $5,000, um, which is roughly under about 3,800 kind of UK pounds, but that obviously is subject to change. Um, and you're, um, you know, you're, you're about 80% of the way there into the funding. So things are, things are going steady, but as always, it would be nicer if things were kind of jumped up a bit as well. Um, I, you know, so that, so what, as I say, what we'll do is we'll make sure that we, um, we put the links to the Kickstarter in the show notes. Um, I have kind of like, I have one more question and I'd like you all to obviously answer it kind of individually. But, um, if we start off with, say, um, if we start off with Patrick and the question is quite simply, if, if you could kind of design minis for any IP at all what, what what IP would you do anything at all the shore's open you know you've got the rights I'm a really you know I've got I've got the rights to anything what is it you would love to create sculpts for uh, it, that would have to be the Star Wars property uh, that's, okay. that's something that I you know I went to see Star Wars when I was 10 uh-huh. you know for the first time in 77 and, and I, yeah. it got me you know, into the creative, you know, side of things. And, and uh, I wanted to, you know, be a model maker at ILM when I was, you know, growing up and all that. So I would think that, you know, it would come full circle if I was a professional sculptor and was making Star Wars characters, you know. <laughs> that would be <laughs> ideal. Okay, Bobby, what about you? You're not allowed to pick Star Wars. you got to pick something else. <laughs> Did I steal it? <laughs> You're not allowed to say Star Wars. I'm not going to get four answers of Star Wars here, guys. So just <laughs> no. I really... go to Jason. I got to think about that. I'm not sure. Oh, Jay. Okay. Well, Jason. Jason will know straight away. Any IP you could have. Sure, the Disney Universe. Have? Oh, there you go. There you He's go. Straight in there. But that I mean, also I'd, I'd, Star... Can have Star that includes Wars. Star Wars. No, that uh, includes I'd, Star yeah, Wars. You're not allowed. In DC. I might. <laughs> buy in with uh, Harry Potter stuff, some right. of that the Fantastic Beast series. Uh, oh yeah, um, it's it's really hard. I mean, there's so many good things out there. I, I I did actually work on some of the Blizzard stuff, and there's wonderful visualization in there. Yeah, uh, some of my favorite science fiction and fantasy novels. You know, you'd have to get really good at, at characterization of actual people, which is not really uh, something I do a lot, and I tend to like broader things. But uh, uh, I don't know. So Jason's answer is basically everything. Basically everything. Yeah. <laughs> Jason yeah. wants Disney, well, which go. means Jason wants everything. So it's Marvel. Well, yeah, Marvel, Disney owns everything. Star Wars. Yeah, pretty much. No, no, Pac yeah, can have Star Wars. Uh, that's no problem. <laughs> Okay. I like Star Wars, but I think Pat would do a hell of a job with it. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> okay, Cass. That's what I've just... given it some thought. I think oh. what I would do is um, I would like to do my version of some of the Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. I'm thinking mm-hmm. I'd like to 
some of the Mars stuff, some of the Pellucidar monsters. That would be fun. I think yeah. Disney owns a lot of that too now, though. A lot oh, of it's yeah. real man. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that all belongs well, to Jason, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Medifius is actually they're they're putting out a like a role playing and a miniatures game already. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. you know you've got a shot at that. <laughs> I'd like to do my version. Yeah. Okay. And last but no means least. Well, you know, um, I'm going to say two things. Uh, the first is uh, I'm a huge fan of Lord of the Rings, so I love that genre. Uh, so I'll go with Lord of the Rings. But overall, I wouldn't change anything. My current my current project that the sculptors I get to to use and work with pretty much every day we we talk or. Every other day, we all talk together, and I'm fortunate to have these guys on our projects. And, uh, I love what what we do. I, I'm passionate about it. I love what mm. we do. This is my passion, and I wouldn't change that. So if I had to pick one, what I'm doing currently, uh, and if I had to pick something else, I'd say what Excellent. Cool. Well, um, as I say... Um, we're going to put the links to the campaign in the show notes so that we have kind of notes to show. Um, is there any place else that we can find you, fine gentlemen, on the internet webs? Do we have websites? Do we have Twitter handles? Patrick, for instance, have you got a, your own little website? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can check out my own stuff over at bombshellminis.com. Okay. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as Sculpt Dude. Okay. Okay. Um, Bob, will come back to the end so you can make your mind up. Um, I'm struggling. <laughs> Jason, where can we find you on the internet webs? Well, best place is Facebook, just under my name. Just okay. look through my uh, my uh, profile pictures, and you'll see a lot of stuff there. Obviously, I'll learn how to pronounce it properly for next time. Uh, <laughs> Bobby, where can we find you on the internet webs? That's probably the best place to find me to be at Facebook. I don't have anything specific anymore. Okay. And uh, Mr. Cass, um, where can we where can we find your your fine selves on the yeah, internet? We're at uh, Toon Guardian Miniatures on Facebook. Our webpage is ToonGuardians.com, and on Instagram is ToonGuardianMiniatures, and then of course our Kickstarter campaign, somebody, if you can't find it on the link that you're going to provide, they can just uh, search by ToonGuardians, and they'll be able to find the campaign. Excellent, excellent. Okay, if you want to find out where we're up to on the internet webs, if you go to Google and if you search for We're Not Wizards, you'll find us on Twitter at We're Not Wizards, Facebook at We're Not Wizards, you'll find us on our website at We're Not Wizards, and you'll find us on Instagram as well, because we like a picture at We're Not Wizards. You can um, you can find us in all the podcast catchers like your Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast and Castbox and Podbean and Podknife and everything that's got the name Pod or Cast in it. You can probably find us as well. If you like what you've listened to tonight, and um, I'm tempted to actually just get some of these gentlemen back on because it's been a fascinating chat, uh, then... Um, you can do two things. The first thing is you can go and tell somebody else about it because one of the ways that we spread the word 
is to by getting other people to tell other people about what we do. The other thing you can do is you can go on to uh, Apple Podcasts and you can drop us a subscription or a rating or a review. If you are going to be giving us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star because it makes us cry. And I'm an ugly crier. I'd be the ugliest sculpt if somebody sculpted me when I was crying. <laughs> give us something in the middle, like a five to average. And we're just a little bit average. But the gentlemen who have not been average tonight, I give you Patrick, I give you Bobby, I give you Cass, and I give you Jason, and I give you a whole pile of wonderful miniatures. Um, thank you again, gentlemen, for coming on the show. Thank you. really appreciate it. Um, it was fun, thanks. There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things. But we're not wizards. Are we wizards? I'm not a wizard. Don't I'm not. all, all rush in at once. Bobby, Bobby's still deciding. <laughs> we'll give Bobby... <laughs> we'll give Bobby... Don't... Yeah, don't even want to know. Um, it's not, not up for discussion. And the, uh, the, the second thing is to say goodbye. So, uh, so goodbye from Jason. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason. It's a goodbye from Patrick. Say goodbye, Patrick. Goodbye, Patrick. Say goodbye, Bobby. Goodbye, Bobby. And say goodbye, Cass. Bye, Cass. It's 4 for 4. It's a full set. Um, and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe for all sixes. And... Um, yeah, I mean, get yourself on to this campaign. As I say, it's Queen of the Damned, Velrath Vampires, and it's a Kickstarter just now. Check it out, give it a look, and if you fancy sticking some buckaroos down for a back, then consider doing that instead. Um, but until the next time, um, goodbye. Wizard is never late. He arrives precisely when he means to.